I am excited at the opportunity to get better at this today. If at any time you find yourself being negative about anything that is programmed, that you do physically, that you're struggling with, in anything, personal, professional, physical, emotional, whatever it is, I am looking forward to or I am excited to the opportunity to get better at this today. Because I know that deep down, if I can confront this weakness or this perceived thing that I'm not good at, if I can confront this head on today and I can confront it head on again tomorrow and the next day and the next week and the next month and the next year, then eventually I'll be good at it. Think about a kid learning how to walk. Do you think that, like, think about if if a kid who was learning how to walk could talk perfectly well. Do you think that when he got up the first time and started to take those first couple wobbly drunk man little steps, do you think that it would be normal for him to verbalize like, oh, I'm not good at this, and then just sit on his butt and just keep crawling and never try walking again? Does that make sense? Like we have mental fortitude. We have an attitude, a positive, you know, desire to get better at things when we're young. We have these aspirations and these ambitions and all we do in our society and in our self-talk and all these things when we grow up is just like convince ourselves that that's no longer the way. And it's just, it's ridiculous. And so if you can convince yourself the negative way, you can 100% convince yourself the other way. And all it takes is that one statement all the time. I'm excited at the opportunity to get better at this today. guys what is going on happy tuesday i hope everybody had a fantastic holiday labor day weekend got some relaxation time or got some time to hang out with friends and family travel a little bit i was able to go up to new york city and get an interesting viewpoint of the world and hang out with tom and sarah who are excellent hosts and uh if you guys know tom and sarah make sure that you guys get a chance to talk to me if you can just to kind of uh hear about what they got going on in their life and uh, their living situation in the zoo. It's just really cool, very unique, and they're both doing fantastic, and it was awesome to see them and catch up. And always just a reminder, guys, if you guys have people in your life who you love and you really care about, you know, just make sure that you're reaching out, and even if, you know, you guys are complete opposite ends of the country, do your best to get out and and see those people every now and again if you can. Uh, You're never going to be disappointed by that kind of stuff. So, uh, all right, so we are finishing up, or close to finishing up, the friendship pyramid. We are, uh, well, I should say we're halfway through, okay, because we are going to do a a global overview on the community support factor, why we think that's such a huge part of fitness to wrap up. But today we are on to conditioning. And so what we're going to do is we're going to kind of think about the person who has been built 
optimally, right? They come into friendship, they come into our facility, and they have gone through the proper steps of the pyramid, and they are now set up for the most success possible. So what would that person look like? Okay, so they have a strong mental base. They're in a positive mind state all the time. They have a great attitude. They're engaged with the coaches. They're engaged with their other, you know, athletes and, you know, community members. They're in a present state and they're self-aware of what they need to be working on and the process that it's going to take for them to get there. They then took the next step and they sought out extra nutritional information, whether that be with a coach or whether that be through the Internet or whether that be just, you know, they already knew what they needed to get better at. And they started to refine their macro and micronutrients and hold themselves accountable. And they have now shown consistency over, let's just say, their first six months. It's been getting better and they've been able to do that consistently for about six months. Okay, And once we start to have those things happening for six months or a year and they're dialed in, they're very, very similar day to day, then we can start to maybe call that a habit. Right now, I always look at things like if you've been doing the same thing or something similar for the last maybe three to five years, then I would call it a habit. But that's the beginnings of a very strong habit. Okay. So they're educated, they've refined their macro and micronutrients, and they're holding themselves accountable, right? So they're eating well or eating better, and they're doing that consistently. So we have a strong mental state. We have a great nutritional foundation. Now we're moving on to movement. Movement's a big one for people, okay? So they have built the mobility and technique to be able to do all of the necessary functional movements that are involved with most common kind of exercise, right? So we just think about functional movements are all pretty standard across whatever, you know, fitness or exercise regimen you're talking about uh, because they are the movements that you're going to do in everyday life, right? Or they're going to be something that maybe mimics very similarly. So let's say a box step up and let's think about like walking upstairs, right? Is it the exact same thing? No, right? And, you know, if we sit down on the toilet and we get up or if we sit down and, you know, we're holding something and we get up off the couch, is that actually like a squat. No, right. But they are close enough to where if we strengthen the squat, we're going to strengthen standing up off the couch, holding our nephew, right. Or we're going to strengthen ourselves walking upstairs, you know, carrying a couch or whatever it might be, right. That's kind of the, the mind state of what we're talking about. And I think sometimes people get a little bit carried away with like, you know, trying to think it's got to be exactly apples to apples, right. It's like, well, no, right. If I throw a sandbag on a mom's shoulder and that sandbag is 60 pounds, right? And so she has to use the opposite side oblique to level herself back out. And then we're going to walk with it. We're going to run with it. We're going to hold it on one leg. We are training that mother to hold her baby or her infant on her hip, right? Or, you know, we're maybe training that father to walk around an amusement park with that kid on their shoulders, okay? Whatever it might be, it doesn't need to be an apples to apples thing, but it is going to carry over into our functional life. Maybe not now, right? And this is something that I think people really screw up their thought process with, but potentially sometime in the future, for sure, right? I can you, almost no matter what age you are, I can take almost any of the functional movements that we're going to do and come up with a crystal clear way for you to see how that is going to 
be applicable to your life in the near ish future. Right. So you might be 27 years old. You, you know, are single and you're working a lot. And like your mind state right now has absolutely nothing to do with having kids. Okay. You're focused on your professional career. You don't even, you're not even in a relationship at all. Right. So by all measures, you know, you probably think of yourself pretty far away from having to worry about having a kid. Let's just say it's a woman, right? Let's say you're actually going to be the one giving birth. However, what you can think about is the training for that or setting up a really good foundation for that. It can start now. If even if you're not going to have a kid till you're 33, 34, 35, if you build up a rock solid pelvic floor, if you build up rock solid obliques and abs and hip strength, you know, you develop really good knee and lower back health. Well, when you start to have that kid, let's say you have twins, right? And you're carrying kids on in each hip uh, for months on end. You're just going to be more able for that six or seven years down the road. So I think sometimes it it's a big flaw in people's thinking to think like, well, this has to be applicable to my life right now. It's like, eh, you might not see the benefits of this uh, direct carryover for three years or four years, but sometimes, especially with women and pelvic floors and pregnancies, like, Sometimes like you're not you're going to need years to fix those issues, those biomechanical issues. You're going to need years to build up that strength to be truly prepared for those things. And, you know, you're not going to be able to, like, find out you're pregnant. And then in like, you know, six months while you're pregnant, start to develop your pelvic floor. Like this is not going to work that way. So some of those things like we're just prepping for kind of the long haul of life. And the same thing goes right. Like you might be in your 40s and 50s. You might have teenagers or kids going off to college and think in your head, like, why do I need to be worrying about carrying kids around? Why do I need to be worrying about this or worrying about that? And I think you can talk to a lot of grandparents. and They're going to be like, you're going to want to hold your grandchildren. You're going to be able you're going to want to be able to get down on the ground and play with your grandkids. Or, you know, if you're if you have a a six or seven year old grandchild boy or girl and they want to, you know, throw the football or throw the baseball or throw the softball or kick around a soccer ball or do these things like you're not going to want to be the grandparent that's like stuck inside sitting and not able to go out and do those things. Right. When they move into college, like you're going to want to be able to be there and carry a basket up the stairs to get them moved in. Like you're going to just miss out on life events and being somebody who's like with it and able and doesn't slow down the family and all these other things like that is going to come up in your life. So from a movement perspective, we're always working on this mobility technique, strength, range of motion, and then the consistency of those things. Okay. So movement's a big one, right? Because that's our capacity, right? To do things, right? That's like just the raw movement of it. Okay. So now we've got this person, great mental state, dialed in nutrition, beautiful movement that they're working on consistently, and they are getting strong in every one of those ranges of motion. So they are a fully functioning human being optimizing these base pieces of the puzzle, right? Or the, of the pyramid in this case. Now we are to conditioning. Okay. 
and the reason that I put movement above conditioning is a couple reasons, but the main reason that I'm going to say is injury prevention. Okay. So let's talk about a world where we put conditioning before movement. Okay. So let's say you have just God awful running technique, which you see, if you just drive around, you'll see just people who are absolutely have the worst running technique and they're out running, right? They're out jogging. And they are on a one way street to either a absolutely minimizing their results, right? So they're not going to be able to run fast. They're not going to be able to maximize their actual conditioning and energy pathways because their form and technique is going to break down before they're actually able to get into those aerobic or anaerobic zones or lactate threshold zones or whatever they're trying to work on. Okay. Whatever race they're running or whatever they're doing it for, they're not going to be able to tap into those zones as well as you could if you had better technique or at a length or a distance or a time to really start to make adaptation a thing. We'll talk about that a little bit more later when it comes to like when we talk about treadmill conditioning. Okay. But that's why movement mechanics and technique have to come first because again, we're talking about your ability to ascend upwards into infinity, right? If your movement is lacking, you will become injured or you will severely limit your upward possibility, your potential. Okay. And I'll side note, one of my podcasts I'm going to do once we kind of wrap up the pyramid or maybe later this week is just going to be about fulfilling potential. And that's a lot about what we're talking about here, building the pyramid the right way and constantly relooking back at mental nutrition and movement is the number one way that you are going to be able to continue to fulfill your potential and ascend upwards. You can never just start to focus on conditioning and sport and some of these more ancillary high end of the pyramid things and think like, oh, now I'm going to be able to go higher. It's not how pyramids work and that's not how this works, right? It always comes back to those fundamentals. So let's say you are that person. You have done those things. Now it's time to start building conditioning across the main energy pathways that you're going to need for life. Okay, so I kind of think of these in really two pretty stark contrast things. So two polar opposites. And this is why I like CrossFit a lot. And this is why I have problems with a lot of other fitness routines, because what you're going to find is most other fitness routines are going to drive you really hard into one end of the energy pathway zone. So they're either going to say like we are purely aerobic, right? Like we live on this threshold over here where everything's going to be 30 to 40 minutes. And that is going to severely hinder adaptation, right? You're going to hit this point where you just are training in the same time domains at the same intensity levels, doing the same thing day in and day out. And you're going to adapt initially right away, like for the first six months or a year, pretty well, right? Like, Like you might lose weight, you might, you know, start to feel stronger, you might have these other things, but that will cap off relatively quickly. And so what we need to be thinking about, and I talked a lot about this with the endurance seminar. If you guys haven't watched those YouTube videos and you want to learn more about conditioning energy pathways and how we can maximize this, I talk about these two circles, right? And so we kind of have this total aerobic capacity, which is like our big circle. And that sort of limits all of the underlying pathways because the aerobic zone is going to be used for kind of everything. But the other end of that is really going to be this like harsh end of the anaerobic and the glycolytic pathway. Okay. And this is the sprint mentality or the high effort, high energy, one rep max weightlifting 
20 seconds all out sled sprint or, you know, airdyne sprint, just balls to the wall, absolute empty the tank, you know, 100 to zero. And this end of things, I think, is also naturally, like innately animalistic human. Okay. Humans have this ability to like tap into these higher levels. But the problem is a lot of people, like, once you stop training that, you lose it and you will quickly lose this forever if you don't continue to train it. So I think this is one of those areas when I see adults come in and we have no aggression. We have no power output. We have no ability to tap into that, like, just like, woo, you know, that like all in hardcore. Sorry, I'm sure that was super loud. But that, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about, that like, let's go, like really go mentality. We lose something, number one, just as like adults. But from a chemical level, the inability to tap into that is really going to hinder our development from an energy pathway standpoint, from a strength standpoint, and from some of these other things. So for a lot of people, you know, I see people that come in and and they're really harshly, you know, fitting into one of these two boats. And the first boat is somebody who maybe was a sprinter or a power lifter or played some or a gymnast, right? They played some sport or did something that was like one minute or less, Right. Like high power output routines, high power output sport performance things. And then it was like rest. Right. So you think the football game, it's like five. You know, what is it? Uh, what's Urban Meyer's thing? Three, three to five, right. Or five to seven, something like that. So that's a football play less less around five seconds. And then you rest and they five seconds and then you rest. It's just all out energy and then you rest all out energy and then you rest. You do that for, you know, a long drive is like 10 plays, right, or 15 plays. And then you're going to go sit on the sideline for a little while. And so the way you get better as a football player is you get better at the ability to recover in between plays and being able to tap into higher energy levels at that, you know, five seconds. So that's how they train. Right. And if you did that for a lifetime and then you come into a sport like CrossFit, you're going to be hyper developed on that like aggression level. So you're going to see those people. This is like John Sturgeon is a perfect example of this. Right. Like get him on the airdyne and he for 10 seconds, he is going to be able to just tear that machine apart. But. If we make him do things for 45 minutes, it's really, really hard for him because his aerobic system is just not as developed and he's got a lot of muscle to feed oxygen to. Okay, so that's that end. The other end of people are people who are coming in from maybe a yoga or a running background, or maybe they played soccer or they ran distance or they're, you know, marathoners or cyclists or rowers. And they've spent all of their time getting what I like to call endurance reps in, getting the hours in, building that big aerobic, that big oxygen tank, right? And so they're really developed on that end. But what a lot of times their problem is, is they can't exert an effort. Like if we were talking about total percentage, they cap out at like 70% of their true potential capability. Right. And so I think you can think of life scenarios where both are going to be an issue. Okay. I always think about like an emergency perspective, right? So to just be an alarmist, like, like a lot of the news media and stuff, let's just say like there's a mass shooting and you're at, you know, that Las Vegas country concert and there's a mass shooting, right? Well, you've got 30 seconds 
to absolutely hightail it and get your butt out of there. And maybe one of your friends gets shot and you have to pop them onto your shoulders and get the hell out of there. Right. And like, so you think about these situations, I think everybody thinks, you know, all that stuff, it's so, so far gone and maybe that's over the edge, but you can think of other scenarios that have probably happened in your life where you have to exert some high degree of energy that if you are unable to do that, there's going to be some sort of a negative consequence. Okay. And if you've never been in that life situation before, first of all, you're probably lucky, right? And that's just something that we are lucky to be sort of first class Americans and living in a world where we don't really have to face those animalistic, you know, things like hunting and gathering like we used to when we were primates. But we still need to tap into that for a bunch of chemical benefits and also just our continuing development from a hormonal perspective and all these other things. Okay. So if you can't, like, if you can't wrap your head around, if you don't want to wrap your head around the emergency scenario of why you need to do those things, and you can't think of ever being in a life situation where you could ever possibly need or use uh, the ability to like go a hundred percent and tap into your full capability, uh, you know, then just think about it purely from the chemical perspective and the development of, you know, tapping into your testosterone levels. If you're both a guy and a girl, you know, development of musculature and all these different things that you benefit from. Right. The the hardcore contract and relax of your joints and your arteries to help your blood flow, your blood pressure, help, you know, beat out cholesterol problems and all these other things that you can get as a chemical benefit from developing that energy pathway. And so those are 99.9% of the times we get polar people, right? They're coming from one background or the other. Then there's sort of a small subset of people that have neither and an even smaller subset of people that have both, right? There's very, very rarely without being some sort of a weird multi-sport athlete or coming from a CrossFit background as it is, you're not really going to be able to develop both. And this goes all the way up. The reason that this conditioning piece goes right up into sport is what you're going to find is how you're going to train the next level and how you're going to improve requires this knowledge of yourself as an athlete. So let's take a Matt Frazier, for example. Okay, his sport growing up was a Olympic weightlifting. So he was a purely anaerobic athlete, right? He was working on that short burst, high power output, less than 10 seconds, absolutely maximizing strength. Okay, so what does Matt Frazier need to spend all of his time doing? He needs to be working on the aerobic pieces, right? He needs to be working on skills and mechanics and movement, which he does work on a lot, especially in gymnastics. And then he needs to work on large aerobic training pieces. And that's it, right? If you are hyper developed at one of those things, all of your training focus or the majority of your training focus should be in the opposite but human nature, one of the things that sh makes people really struggle with this is we like to do the things that we're good at. And that's why we're good at them. Right. So, you know, it's uncomfortable for me to tell, you know, John Sturgeon and sorry, John, just keep using you as an example here. But it's uncomfortable for me to tell him like, hey, you know, it, your best bet is going to be to do, you know, 40 to 60 minutes of, uh, you know, work on the rower at pace. And, you know, wear a heart rate monitor and keep yourself in the aerobic zone and stay really consistent 
and we're going to do that three days a week and do some yoga and some mobility work and some blood flow work on top of that. And, and like, that's going to be a big focus of your training. Well, John doesn't want to do that. Right. John wants to lift heavy, right? Like John's, he's all muscle. He's strong as hell. Strongest guy who's ever come through the gym. And so he wants to do that because he's good at it. And sure as shit, what do you think our least attended days are when you look at them, right? There's there's two days that we have that are either intentionally skipped or, you know, negatively looked at. And it depends on what type of person you are, right? When we run a 5K, we do a 5K row, we see a lot of the people who don't like the aerobic training and all they want to do is lift big weights and do that stuff. A lot of them don't show up on those days, right? So we see lower attendance. And the problem is that goes back to the mental piece, right? That comes back to a little bit of an ego thing. Like we have to check our egos all the time. And the the thing that I've kind of told people over the years that I think is the most misfollowed piece of advice or information that I give people is you should be working to get to a mental state where the most excited you are to come in are the days where you are terrible at everything. And if you can get to that place, you'll see your development skyrocket, right? Because a lot of times your lowest hanging fruit to the next level, to getting better at something, to being more capable and being more fit is training all the stuff that's really hard for you. Right. Like so for me doing like overhead squat or barefoot kettlebell front rack squats holds. I think we're even doing that today in class. Exhausting. They're so hard for me. I really struggle to sit in that mobility position with a little bit of weight and continue to maintain a good braced position. It's really, really challenging for me. So I never miss those days. I always make sure that I'm hitting the days with pause overhead squats or, you know, squat holds or kettlebell front squats or those things that just really take me to a dark place because I know that like that challenge is going to start to make things happen chemically and physically in my body that I need to get to that next place, next level. And the only way that that stuff's ever going to get to the point where I don't dread it is if I go and do it and work on it. And so you get the one group of people who are like, oh, it's like 5K, like, oh, what the hell? This programming is so stupid, right? And it's just like, no, like, you're just not good at it. And so you don't look forward to it. And because you don't look forward to it and you're not good at it, then you avoid it. And so then you keep kicking the can down the road and you're going to continue to be bad at it forever until you change your mindset with it. And then on the other side, we see the same thing, right? We'll do one rep max lifting days. And I'm going to throw women under the bus here because a lot of times this is women and they think like, oh, I don't want to get bulky, you know, and it's like, that which is just a fabricated lie that some magazine swimsuit model told you sometime that continues to be perpetuated because people want you know some stupid thigh gap and all this other crap and I'm you know sorry you guys know how I feel about all that stuff but we get the, you know we get a strength focused day right we're maybe going to be going really heavy with weightlifting we're going to really challenge ourselves on that end of like really tapping into it so maybe we're going to do like a heavy back squat and or a heavy deadlift and then we're going to go into like hard 10 second airdyne sprints as hard as you possibly can and i'm sitting there i'm like leave it all out there like go as hard as you can i need you guys to empty the tank let's go and you drive and and it's just like if they show up at all 
you get a lot of people who come in, they'll just like, they're just like, oh, you know, like that feels heavy. That feels hard. And you can tell it's not heavy or hard for them. And you're like, come on, let's go. Let's pick up those sprints. Let's pick it up. Let's go. And you're like coming over and they're like, oh, you know, no, I don't really want to do that. You know, it's like, which is fine if you're not really focused on your own development in these things. Like if you're just coming to enjoy the community, enjoy the support, move a little bit and, you know, get your sweat on and stay functional and stay active and do these things. That is absolutely fine. And I support that 100 percent. I love it. Right. But what we're talking about here is how can you reach your most your best physical potential? And if you guys are really focused on reaching your best physical potential, you have to be trying to think about how can I give more effort, more energy on those days, even though I'm way more comfortable doing a 30 minute jog. Right. I like not being able to have to tap into those high intensity zones because those scare me a little bit again. Those scare you because you continue to avoid them. And this is the thing, like, I think if you can get to a place where you understand that your fears and your weaknesses go hand in hand because of your mentality towards them, the sooner you're going to be able to start to take control over that and make a change. And so let's take this to something else, right? Let's say you fear more than anything snakes and spiders. And every time that you go around like a zoo and it's like the amphibian, it's like, oh my God, there's snakes and you like run the opposite way, right? And you, and you leave the exhibit. Every time there's a snake on the ground, you're just like, ah, you just run away, right? You freak out and you're just like, oh my God. And you just avoid the situation entirely, get as far away as you possibly can. Every time there's a spider, you just like freak out. And it's like a tiny little, like one centimeter spider, like Maria. She's like, oh my God, this spider's huge. And I go over and it's just like this tiny little thing. And you're just like, all right, like this thing is totally harmless. Not a big deal. But if every time that that fear faces you, if you run away, if you avoid, then you will never get over that fear. It is a self-perpetuating cycle. And this is true for finance. This is true for parenting. This is true for anything that you consider yourself to be weak at. And so hopefully you guys can see why if we go back to the mental base of the pyramid, being self-aware and having the positive mindset to be able to lean into these challenges that face you, lean into your weaknesses and the things that you are not good at. Once you can start to adopt that mindset, you'll have less and or no fears and weaknesses. Because a fear or a weakness isn't the performance of it. It's how you react to it. Right. So I think this is another misconception that people struggle when we start talking about, you know, let's just say overhead squats. People think they compare their overhead squat to somebody else's overhead squat. And they might self-perceive an overhead squat as a weakness of theirs. But it's not if you think about it the right way. And so I'm going to take Ryan as the best example of this. I think if we were to ask Ryan right now, Coach Ryan, he would say that he thinks overhead squat's a big weakness for him. 
And I think the reason that he thinks that is because of himself compared to other people that he sees doing overhead squat. But I don't think overhead squat is a weakness for him because number one, he's attacked it head on since day one. He's worked his butt off for it. He trains it. He works on the mobility. He does the holds. He's worked on his squat mobility, his overhead mobility, his stability. He's leaned into it and he has gotten probably a hundred times better. If we're talking about weight perspective, right? He's maybe 300% better, right? So when you start thinking about that, it's like, is that really a weakness of his? He has the right mindset for it. So it's not, right? If he were to avoid it and he were to stay bad at it all the time, then it's a weakness. And I see this happen with people all the time. So they say, I'm not good at that. Or that's a weakness of mine. Or I suck at that. They're super self-negative. But then the only way that you're going to get better at it is if you change your mindset on the, the verbiage you just used. You fix it. You change it. And you come at whatever you're working with with. And this is the statement you guys have probably heard me say it a million times. I'm excited at the opportunity to get better at this today. I am excited at the opportunity to get better at this today. If at any time you find yourself being negative about anything that is programmed, that you do physically, that you're struggling with in anything, personal, professional, physical, emotional, whatever it is, I am looking forward to or I am excited to the opportunity to get better at this today. Because I know that deep down, if I can confront this weakness or this perceived thing that I'm not good at, if I can confront this head on today and I can confront it head on again tomorrow and the next day and the next week and the next month and the next year, then eventually I'll be good at it. And if you want to think about how much we fuck ourselves up as adults, Think about a kid learning how to walk. Do you think that like think about if if the kid who was learning how to walk could talk perfectly well? Do you think that when he got up the first time and started to take those first couple wobbly drunk man little steps? Do you think that it would be normal for him to verbalize like, oh, I'm not good at this and then just sit on his butt and just keep crawling and never try walking again? Does that make sense? Like we have mental fortitude. We have an attitude, a positive, you know, desire to get better at things when we're young. We have these aspirations and these ambitions and all we do in our society and in our self-talk and all these things when we grow up is just like convince ourselves that that's no longer the way. And it's just, it's ridiculous. And so if you can convince yourself the negative way, you can 100% convince yourself the other way. And all it takes is that one statement all the time. I'm excited at the opportunity to get better at this today. That's it. Anything that you're dreading or complaining about or not looking forward to, look at it objectively and either make a decision that I don't want this in my life, period, or I'm excited at the opportunity to get better at it. There is no reason to ever complain about something because it's a perceived weakness or because you're not good at it or because you don't want to do it. 
And so that's your action step for this week. When we start thinking about conditioning, the biggest thing that stands in people's way is mindset. That's it. It's ego. 100% every day of the week. Conditioning is the easiest thing in the world to improve at. But all it takes is a little bit of time, a little bit of effort, and then being in the right mental state to be aware of what you need to work on. And so if when I was describing those athletes, you resonated with one of them. You're either the person on the right who struggles to want to go at 100% for anything. So you don't like to lift super heavy. You don't like sled sprints or aerodyne sprints. Those things make you really uncomfortable. And if I sit there and like you guys are going to go as hard as you possibly can, if you're not like, like, hell yeah, like, let's go. If that's not you then you need to get in the habit, your conditioning, your focus to get better at this, to get your recovery, your adaptation, your heart health, your energy pathways developed more is to get on that airdyne once or twice a week and just do a Tabata all out. There's a little preset on the right side of those air bikes. You hit it and it's going to take you for four minutes. And when it's 10 seconds on or if it's 20 seconds on, whichever one you pick, you can pick either. You go as hard as you possibly can. And you do it and you keep doing it and you lean into that weakness. That's it. And at first, you're not going to be good at it. And at first, you might like be worried about who's looking at you. Just need to remove all of that from your brain because it's just a step process, just like nutrition is, just like movement is, just like your mental attitude is. And if you're on the person on the other side and you're really good at lifting and you love to go hard and your favorite workouts are like grace, 500 meter row, 50 calories for time, short, fast, hard. Those are your favorite types of workouts. Then guess what? You're the type of person who needs to go out for a jog every once in a while, needs to get a bike and start wearing a heart rate monitor every now and again, figure out where your aerobic zones are and spend a little bit of time there. And if you guys don't want to do these things, if you're like, yeah, you know, that's a great suggestion, Jeff, but I don't care. Perfect. That's absolutely fine. But we've just learned something about you mentally. We've just learned that you're not really that committed to improvement or your commitment to improvement in this field is limited at your comfort level. And we lose something on the high end of this pyramid in the high end of our potential in life if our commitment to improvement ends where our comfort zone is. And so I hope that that one resonates with you guys a little bit. As we start to get up this pyramid and we start talking about sport next week, you have to earn the right to get to the sport part of the pyramid. And a lot of times, and really the biggest thing that I always talk about is when you're around the sport at the highest levels, right? When you're next to Froning or you're next to Frazier, you're working out next to these guys who are top tier, which I'm lucky to have had that experience with. When you're next to these people, the difference is between the ears. It has almost nothing to do with physical. 
And that's where people start to like get confused. I think is they think that it has to do with the workouts that they do or the supplements that they take or all the other marketing crap that gets thrown at you from day to day. What it is, is these people are able to remove their egos so much that they go out and seek out coaching, even though they've won the last five CrossFit games. They go out and seek people who are going to challenge them and get them out of their comfort zone, even though they're already champions, even though they're already better than 99.999% of people at the CrossFit Games or at the highest level of the sport that they're competing. And you see this true with almost every level of athlete. Tom Brady, in my opinion, is the greatest of all time. Because he continues to take coaching and watch film at a level that is just uncomfortable from everybody else. Everybody else thinks Belichick is like the psycho and, and doesn't necessarily want to go and, you know, be underneath him and get coached at that level. And, oh, my gosh, he's kind of a dick. It's like, yeah, he's a dick because he's telling you to drop your ego or they just cut people who have egos and are uncoachable. And that's why they're world champions. And Tom Brady's a world champion because he did the least ego thing that you can do as an NFL quarterback, which is take pay cuts so that the rest of the team could be better. He started to think about he, he wasn't thinking about his own self-interest. He wasn't thinking about what's comfortable for him and his family at that time. He's thinking about what can I do to be better? Right. And so he got outside of his comfort zone. He started to make decisions that were the hard decisions. And so the different time, you know, Tom Brady doesn't have as good of an arm as Aaron Rodgers or any of these other guys in the league. He just is in a different mental state than all of them. Right. And that's it. It's how he approaches the things that he's not good at. It's how he approaches his mental approach to the game is just better. And that's the differentiating factor between good or let's just say, okay and good, good and great and great and world class. That's 100 percent the difference between any anybody who, you know, who's let's just take it back to CrossFit. Anybody who, you know, who made it, you know, a really high level at you know regionals or in the open or all the people that like we coached who are all very, very, very good. But the main difference was always the ability to drop the ego and work on the thing that you did not want to work on. And we tried. But if I was being really honest with you, I would say I did not try as much as I could on handstand pushups or handstand positioning or thoracic mobility or overhead squat mobility. I did eh, more more than the bare minimum, but not much more. And I did not like them and I did not look forward to them. I tried to convince myself and I tried to have self-talk, but my mental state was not strong enough at that time to get to the right place. And these are the admissions that we need to constantly be reevaluating in our life so that we can understand why we're not good at something and understand why things aren't going our way and what we're struggling with and the reasons that we're struggling with them. We need to have that honest conversation with ourselves that I was not mentally strong enough to make the right decisions, to be in the right mental state, to progress in the way that I wanted to. And that's it. 
you know, I wasn't believing myself. I wasn't truly in the mindset of I'm excited at the opportunity to get better today. I was maybe just saying that I didn't actually take that approach to it. I didn't actually come in with an excitement and a vigor. I didn't talk to the coach before and ask him afterwards, you know, Hey, what could I do to get better at that? What did you see? You know, where can I improve? Where can I find more resources on this? Is there ability to get more coaching? You know, can I get, can I do some more work to get better at this? What could I do? And when rubber meets the road and you ask those questions, then you follow through and you become, you know, borderline obsessed, right? Let's just say obsessed, obsessed with getting better at those things, obsessed with attacking your weaknesses. That's what's going to make you extra special. That's what's going to start to get you to the place where you can ascend and get really close to your potential. And so the last piece of conditioning, guys, and what we think about with the conditioning aspect of things is the recovery and adaptation process that is kind of a circular thing. And, you know, CrossFit fitness, nutrition, life, it follows the mastery curve. And if you guys have never seen it before, just Google the mastery curve and you'll see what it is. And there's probably a YouTube video explaining it, but mastery is a great book and it describes this in detail. But basically what you see is right when you first start something, you're terrible at it. And so you develop really quickly and then you hit this kind of top off point and you start to, you know, overthink things or, you know, only do the things that you like to do. So I always think about it as like playing piano. It's like, okay, I was doing nothing. I know nothing. So when I start, I'm automatically going to be better. And then I get to a point where like, I'm only practicing one song or I'm only practicing. I only want to do the songs I like. Like, I don't want to do any song that really challenges me. I just want to learn the Top Gun theme song. And, you know, you, and then you start, kind of start to get like worse at it. You just like kind of your, your motivation kind of ebbs and that little ebb, the curve that goes slightly back down. Those are decision points, right? Those are the points that are going to make or break you. How you react in the beginning of that downward spiral and then the you know following or ensuing plateau that's going to cause that those are decision points and how you react to those decision points are what's going to start to define your adaptation or ability to you know move forward and so there's a lot of different thoughts if we get into the nitty gritty with energy pathways, heart health and the recovery aspect of conditioning. I covered this at length in the uh, endurance seminar, which are up on our YouTube page. If you guys want to watch those, uh, that gets into a little bit more of the nitty gritty of how you guys can start to develop some of those energy pathways, especially the aerobic ones or the longer standing ones. And because that was the endurance <laughs> seminar, that's what that's focused on. But uh, this was more a little bit, you know, this discussion is more around the approach to why and how we need to approach uh, our conditioning focus, right? Not necessarily the health benefits of it. So I hope that you guys found some nuggets in this and I hope that this helps you guys, you know, get to a place that you are coming into your weakness training uh, as it pertains to conditioning or movement with a better mental attitude or a better mental state. So thanks for listening, guys. I'll hopefully do the one later this week on uh, fulfilling potential and, uh, you know, all the positive things that I kind of thought about while I was on vacation as it pertains to why that really 
you know, should be our, our main goal for us, for our kids, for our friends is helping each other fulfill our potential. And really when you break down, when you get disappointed with people or when you get disappointed at family members or friends, or when you maybe even start to get mad at those people, sometimes it's either because you think they're stopping you from fulfilling your potential or you think that they're not living up to their potential. And that causes rifts between us. And so uh, so that's a little bit what we're going to talk about later in the week. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.